random. I, um, I uh, in Calm last, no, this week, uh, we were reading again for Hebrews 11. And I was uh, uh, just struck by Hebrews 11 too, that says, um, by faith, the elders or the ancients or the, it's like the faith heroes, the, the, the guys of old, carry a good reputation before, carried a good testimony before God. And uh, hmm, I, I, was, I was thinking, um, again, you know, what, what brings reputation before God? What brings reputation? What, what, what gives us substance before God? What makes us being considered in heaven, right? It's, it's not even the amount of Bible study that you've done. You know, it's, it's, it's not any of those things. Are you a man or a woman in that sense that are walking in full dependency in God, you know? And um, if God is really after that, if God is really after that, if God is after you carrying a good reputation in the heavenlies, how would he situate you in a place that you need faith? Right? I mean, that's, um, by the way, I mean, let's, let, let's just be clear. That's what he's after. He's after since the beginning of the age, to make your people dependent on him. And, and by the way, that's where the curse of Adam and Eve came. You will be like gods in your own eyes. You won't need God. And that was the very turning point. And God is from that time bringing that back so that we would have carried this testimony again, that we have a good reputation before God because we, we trust him. And I was just considering, just consider with me for one moment. Just consider your life with me a little bit, just for one moment, right? And I'm thinking, okay, what in my life right now I can't do without God? Meaning if God didn't exist, I would fall apart in that area of my life. And what area you are happily, happily continuing without God. By the way, you don't need God to do your quiet times, right? The Muslims does it five times a day. More than you. What areas in your life, what areas in your life you would not, I mean, the only reason why you stand is God. And how much do you gravitate and leaning on what you can do? You know, without God. And I was shocked as I considered my life. And I'm just like, yes, see. I can do quite a lot. If I am in such a place. And my wife got angry at me. Because then I asked the group in the prayer. I said, guys. I need faith. Would you pray that God will place me in a position? (laughs) That the only way that I can survive. <laughs> She's joking because that next day that prayer got answered. Um, you know, it's like, it's, it's this thing. How much of our life is walking on water and how much is in the boat? And if you are in the boat and can't see any way out of the boat, can we ask God that he can turn the boat around? <laughs> So I'm going to pray. And those that want to join me in this prayer. 
by the way, he is a good God. Just by the way, he is loving, he is good. Never leave nor forsake, right? And trust, which is faith, comes from the foundation that we know he's good and he loves us. We don't trust people that's not for us. This is just, okay? But how would you know if he's good? (laughs) If you never give him a chance to show you how good he is. If you just do everything. All right, guys? So I'm going to pray that God will make us a people of faith. A faith heroes. Ah, that's the mark of this church, okay? If you, if you want to um, be a faith hero and are willing for God to throw you out of the boat with his beautiful love and mercy, just agree with me on this prayer now, okay? If you're happy in the boat, all right, you just have no reputation in heaven, and that's fine. Read your book. <laughs> That's true, that's true, that's really true. Settle. Maybe reputation with people, it's nothing. Reputation with God is everything. All right. So God, we pray that you will make us a people of faith. We want to join those clouds of witnesses, those ancients that had this testimony before you that they were a people of faith. They learned to rely on you more than on themselves. And Jesus, we ask that you will help us. (laughs) Jesus, we want to say it's difficult, but we want to say we trust you. So Jesus, we want to place you, our lives, in your hand. So Jesus... Would you place us in situations that the only way out is to trust you? Jesus, would you put us in a place that we find ourselves fully reliant on you? And if that's you, you can say it to the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, um, the thing that I want to chat about is, um, you know, I, um, I've, over time, have realized some things when, when working with people and working with ministry. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a strange phenomena, but you just be one year in ministry, and you will, you will see that is... Two people will be in exactly the same environment and get exactly the same input. The one will grow and the other one will not, right? It's, it's just like Jesus would explain. There is, there is good soil, and then he explains all the soils that's not good, right? And um, when, when I'm like in a local church, right, you just, you just have a variety of, of soil before you, Right? So every Sunday, I go, woo or you know, during the week, the way that we live together, our community, our church life, the way that we do things is like, woo, 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 seed is falling, watering, all those type of things is happening, but I am not that naive. I know some will grow and others will not. In fact, in fact, I can predict 
I could predict where people currently are in the condition of their hearts and the condition of their soil as you come to know them. Unless that soil changed, I can predict where they would grow and how much they would grow. I mean, sometimes people surprise me. God surprised me. But, but it is pretty, pretty easy to see what is soil and what will produce and what not. Now, you know, in, 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 a, in a setting like this, you know, you just, you, you do it. It's got the responsibility over all people. But I've, I've uh, realized in my, in my times in Russia when going there, it becomes an expensive activity, you know, um, to go all the way there, spend a lot of time and a lot of effort on soil that I know is going to produce nothing. And so a large part, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just honest, and I, I feel in God, I feel like that's the right approach. In God, I'm going to go, and I'm going, and I'm like, okay, there's good soil. Investing in that soil, throwing in there is going to grow. And no matter how much, no matter how much money, no matter how much effort, no matter what, unless that soil changes, it's going to produce nothing. And so it's, a, a, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Now, I, I want to today give you guys, if, if you don't mind, if you, I, I want to give you guys certain things, certain parameters. If we have a soil tester today and I'll go like, or someone goes and go like, okay, let's, let's look at the soil of your heart. We shift it, and we consider what is the conditions of it, what, is the, what are the things that you're good in, what are the things that you're struggling, what is it, we'll probably be able to make an assessment how the growth is going to be of you. And unless you come to a place where you're willing to shift on that, look, things are going to stay the same. We're going to be fairly, fairly limited in, in the way that you're going to grow. I'm going to give you guys a couple of points. I'm going to ask that you guys assess your heart, all right? Test it as we go through it, okay? Uh, there's, a, um, there's actually a church in Russia that um, it's one of the most significant churches traditionally in, in the city of Moscow. So just after the um, after the communism, this church was the first underground church, one of the first underground churches that came above the ground and became a mega church. Well, for, for Russia, it's mega. It's a thousand people. It was pretty big, full of life, full of power. They set up a building in the middle of Moscow, which is, which is great. And over the years, it came to a place that we have started connecting with them. Now, I tell you, that church gives you a lot of drawing power because they're significant, they're quite significant, they're influential, they're known by all, and if you get into them, you get into the, you know, it's like a door opens up wide to them, and you tend that because of what you see before you to go there. That, I mean, if 90, 95% of the churches that I go into Russia, you squeeze into a little back room or a little, you know, beat up room. Here we sit with a place that has a building facility much nicer than probably anything that I've seen in South Africa. They're unique. They aren't it. There's like two, three other churches all of Russia that has that facility, right? And so, to be honest, you know, if you go to the churches and you look at the one church and you go like, you know, everything falls apart here, at least outwardly, you know, and you look at this bright Ferrari, 
of a of a venue, an outward thing there. You just that's the place that we need to get into. And over years, actually, we, we started becoming good friends with that, that church and the pastors there. And they send their kids over to South Africa to be trained with us. And they actually had a lot of, lot, of, lot of doors into the church. But after years of pouring out there, I realized there's, there's no change, you know. And, you know, the harder you hit, it's like, I'm not playing soft now. I'm going you know, to go for it, you know. It, it, it just seems to be water over the, the duck's back. And um, uh, recently, while, while we were there now with Yak and Warren and so on, it was their what, 30th birthday or something like that. 30th, 30th year birthday, and they asked me to preach. It's like all pomp and all lights, camera actions, you know. Um, and uh, it's so weird. I, I see myself the whole time on the TV as I'm preaching. I don't know. Uh, um, and... Uh, I, I, I said to them, you know, I spoke about the new wine. Clearly, you guys need to change. You guys are shifting. You guys are dying slowly with this beautiful venue that you guys are having. You are dying here. And unless you're willing to embrace the new of God, unless you're willing to change, nothing is going to change, you know. And so I go afterwards to the pastor, and they go like, oh, thank you, man. It was amazing, you know. Thank you. We appreciate you. And I said, no worries. Are you willing to embrace the new wine? She says to me, No. I'm like, I was, I was almost, I mean, just at least say yes and think out of it. It's like, she said, uh, she said, no, we, we're not, we, we, we don't want a new wine. Oh, yeah, and then, but while you're here now, would you come and preach? We actually want you to come and preach more online for us and all those type of things. It's like, why would you want me to preach for you if you don't want to, to change? No, we like how you preach. <laughs> And I, I realized, like, luckily with Russians, they're quite blunt, and they tell you exactly what's going on here, you know. Some of the religious Afrikaners are difficult, you know. <laughs> they say one thing, but they think and do something completely different. And so the problem is, many of us will even come to a meeting like this, but in your heart, you came here, and I will not change. All right? Now, it doesn't mean I will worship and I'll, amen, and yes, 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 all the, all the things that's expected of me outwardly, but I'm pretty much settled. I'm not moving. I'm not changing, right? Now, I just want to say, <laughs> I just want to say, I, I know it seems pretty obvious, but if that's the condition of your heart, you are staying small, if anything, coming up. The first thing that if we're going to embrace this thing is we need to be willing to change. Person trader is amazing. Is amazing. Is amazing. See, I, I, I found like 20-year-olds change quickly initially. But it waters down, has the potential to water down quickly. People get settled and stuck. And they'll do the church thing and they'll do the Christian thing, but deep inside, they're not changing one bit. <laughs> I've been fortunate to see these 50-year-olds. <laughs> 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 
teenagers in the spirit that are devoted to change. Now, these guys are carrying a reputation in heaven, I'm just saying. They are for sure carrying a reputation in heaven. They're known in heaven, right? Not because they're the hippest or anything like that. Because there is this commitment, even in all that they've seen and all that they've known, that I am committed to transform and change, right? It's like God is moving and can do what he wants through them. The problem is, and I'm just saying it out there, you know. You know, yeah, um, I, I'm just saying, I, I, you know, you, you come to meetings sometimes. I, and I, look, here I am. Well, I can be with you. And I sometimes, I mean, Christianity is not, the church is not meetings. We know that. It's a family. But I'm just saying, my, my attitude to my heart is sometimes revealed. Maybe some of you can witness, all right? Sometimes I'm coming and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I've got two, three hours that I have to sit out. I'll sing. I'm listening. But something in my heart is not settled for transformation and change. Now, I know. <laughs> I know as much as with you guys, that soil is not going to produce anything. And it's amazing then if you see a soil that has this desire, God changed me. You know, this is the funny thing. Luke 5.39 says, whoever drinks new wine, says, you know, old wine skins can't take new wine. Whoever drinks new wine, no one who drinks new wine says initially it is nice and says the old is better. Who's, is Kyle here? I've seen you. There he is! <laughs> Look, Kyle likes change. He really likes change, right? He gets very quickly bored, right? With, with the mundane. Things need to change. But you know, that verse includes, includes Kyle. No one. There's not one person here that when they would drink new wine, according to Scripture, that initially will say, this is nice. But initially we'll say the old is better. Our first response when God brings change is, oh, oh, the old is better. That's in all of us. All of us here, even Kyle, is resistant to change. All of us here. Our natural inclination is resistant to change. And so unless we make peace with this, unless we make peace that God is ever moving, ever changing, we're not going to grow. All right? The second thing that um, I look for in Russia now, that will be, that will be clear. I don't have any choices. If you hear... I'm going to give my best. <laughs> in Russia, when I hear a guy, and this is what comes out of him, I'm fine. Oh. I'm fine. I don't need you. I'm fine. I don't need you. 
You know, one of the questions that I've, uh, and I've asked it before, I've, I've answered it before, but one of the questions that I've uh, uh, wondered about is if, if Adam sinned, like for the, for the seven-day creation guys, if Adam sinned 6,000 6, years ago, all right? All right, Saki? 6,000 years ago, Why did it take Jesus 4,000 years later to come? Why can't Adam sin? Or uh, he sinned now. Why can't Jesus come? It's like Cain, Abel, Jesus. <laughs> he had to go like, you know, Noah, all those guys, Abram, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. It's like 4,000 years. And God, in the appointed time, can't the appointed time just be 4,000 years earlier? This seems like it's a waste of time. But God explains pretty soon why it had to be the appointed time and why he needed 4,000 years. God needed 4,000 years before it was right time to bring Jesus. You know why? Because for 4,000 years, men said, I'm fine. I'm fine. And so finally he had to find some way to get them to understand they are not fine and he got the law. I'm like, are you guys fine? You sure you're fine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you will keep all my laws and I can bless you. Yes, we can, we can relate on that way. We do all your laws and you bless us. So if you don't do it, can I curse you? Yes, yes, of course. Let's relate that way. Right? It's chaos. Because they can't stick to God. And they realize. And even after that, still so many, still so many would think, I'm fine. Just, just say after me, I need you. It's, it's kind of easy, huh? Ah, it's kind of difficult. It's harder than to say, I'm fine. I'm fine is a lie, by the way. It's a lie. It's a lie for each and every one in this room. It's a lie. You are in need. You are in need. The problem is just for you to acknowledge that. That's the problem. I need you. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. But you know, Jesus made it not even harder. Yeah, he just knows how to make it harder. And he says, look, you will not see me unless you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. You will not see me sometimes. Because I will only appear and help you through your brothers and your sisters. So what do you need to do now? <laughs> Don't do this to me. You need to acknowledge that you need your brothers and sisters. Oh. So I have a confession to make. I have a confession to make. I need you. I need you to grow. 
I cannot grow unless for you guys. I'll fall apart without you. In how you strengthen me and build me up in the Lord. God has designed it. I wouldn't have designed it that way, but he did. I need you. It's interesting, you know, I, I Paul, by, by the way, if you read the book of Romans, that's, Paul's, that's what Paul is initially trying to do, right? And he, he starts off in Romans 1 with the wrath of God, and he, and he goes on on saying the decay of humans, right? And he, he, he goes, and, uh, you know, they, they've, they've no, not acknowledged him as the creator. They start giving up the natural uses of their bodies, men lusting after men, women after women, and then he starts just rolling on with the decay of man. Human beings, I'm going to say man, it's generic, it's like human beings, right? Of human beings, and he goes, you know, murderers, thieves, haters, and it's just like, and we all read through that portion, right? We all read through that portion, and we go like, I can see that in the world. I see it. Yeah. That's oh, just terrible, God. Just this university, you know, the, the moral decay is just, it's just terrible. Right? And then Paul, he just waits for it. He waits for it. He waits for it. And in chapter 2, verse 1, he goes like, who are you, O man? For the very thing you judge, you do exactly the same. And I go, no, I'm not. That's them, not me. How does a person look? How does a person deflect the fact that they need you? How does it look? They're masters in judging others. I don't know what it is, but somehow when I judge others, I feel better about myself. It's the, it's the great deception. I'm able to see the mistakes in everybody else. And Paul is saying, that's exactly the trick that you fall in. For the very thing you judge, you do yourself. Don't let judging others become a defense of the issue in your own hearts. That's what we do. Drop it and judge yourself. <laughs> God is good in it. Let him do it. And then Paul goes on in chapter 2 and he says, you that think that you know the word, you think you're exempt from yourself. Now, one, one of the things that I like about our, uh, our communities, you know, is um, we, we, we're having communities. For those of you that's visitors who want to become part of us, you should see how we live in our homes. That's really the deal, right? That's really where we trust God when we rub our lives with one another, that we kind of grow up as we are vulnerable and honest with one another. We, we don't just listen to sermons. That's not what it's about. We actually share a lot and want to be honest and vulnerable about that, right? So I, uh, um, uh, we, we, uh, we, we in this common, we've got, some, we've got some strong word guys here, you know, we've, and, and there's, some, there's some, some others. And uh, um, also there, knows the word, and so we, uh, we open up, we read the scripture, and you know, it's just like the, the wisdom and the teachings that flow from it is amazing. 
And Wednesday, I would just reread a portion. It's just like some, some nuggets that's just been thrown off. And have you thought about that? Have you thought about that? You know, and so on. And then uh, Beatrix, they're not here today. Yanni and Beatrix, Beatrix has two children that she tries to manage, you know. And I'm like, Beatrix, what do you think? And she goes like, what's the question? <laughs> and then she says, all that I know is I'm struggling. And she starts weeping. And all of us go like, that's more powerful than whatever we have shared right now. You know, I once, uh, um, I once was preaching at a, at a church, um, and uh, as I'm preaching in the church, you know, you see the responses of people, and I saw the pastor's wife being really touched, and usually when people are in leadership, they're more reserved to show that they are touched by God, because they should not be touched anymore, it's for the other guys, kind of, you know. And here I'm going like, I'm getting straight to the leaders, man. I'm, I'm hitting the pastor's wife, and she is freely showing that she is convicted. And she goes like, oh, God, I'm sorry. And I'm like, whoo, right? And uh, um, the afternoon we have uh, lunch with them, and we are chatting. And uh, um, I, I make a statement, and the same pastor's wife says to me, she, she speaks to me as straight as can be, and she, she quotes the very verse that I preached today and says the same message that I said just a little bit earlier, kind of correcting me. And I'm thinking by myself, don't tell me. I preached that. But she knew just because you preach it means nothing. You standing under the word just as everybody else just because you have the right message doesn't mean you've got the right heart. Just because you've got the right knowledge doesn't mean you have it. Ah. And I have to realize, even though I've got all the right answers, ooh, that's nice, I've got the right answers. I know. <laughs> that's not the position that changes everything. I know does not change. You know what changes? I need you. I need you. All right. Thirdly, guys, I'm getting practical now. <laughs> Thirdly, is, you know, um, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with God. And the only way to have fellowship with God, God, uh, uh, let me say, God is light. I've considered that about God. God is light. It's quite a profound statement. What does it mean by God is light? What does it mean by God is light? When God comes in the room, you struggle to see. What does it mean by God is in the light? Well, God is light. He is it. He doesn't just kind of do the light thing. He is light. What does it mean? What does it mean that God is light? And there's no darkness in Him. What does it mean? Now, how's that? I mean, no, let me not say Oh, what, what does it mean? What does it mean that God is light? Just help think with me here. God is light and there's no darkness in him. <laughs> this is what it means, I think. No, I know. This is what it means. Of God, there is no, no pretense. 
Of God, there is zero, zero pretense. What you see is what you get. It is exactly, there is no front, there is no mask. It is exactly what you see. Now, I'm thinking, even though I am comfortable with many people, it is very hard for me to say that I am 100% in the light all the time. Come on, be honest. I I spoke to Johan and Mulder, you know, and they are happily married. But I'm telling you, if Mulder asks Johan, how does this dress look like? (laughs) There's a moment that he says, yes, it looks great. (laughs) I'm joking, I'm joking. (laughs) Right? There is, we have learned how to modify ourselves in social settings. There is, there is trickles of mask around us all the time. Yeah, can you imagine how must it be to have Jesus on the earth and there's none of that? What type of person is that? What type of being is that? It's like there is nothing. What you see is what you get. It's like, and then he asks us this question. He says, now, whoever wants to have fellowship with me, must be in the light. And then he says, and as we are in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now, one of the things that I know is, um, sure, (laughs) bad soil is people that don't open up. People that don't show their heart. It's, It's a sure one. You will proceed until you blew, nothing will come out there. So, the person that you are the closest with, you want to know, if, if you want to determine who, who in the world are you the closest with, who in the world are you the closest with, it's the person that you can be the most vulnerable before. Not only that, if you want to get closer to a person, just be more vulnerable to that person. You guys have... Uh, um, Heard me tell the story, but I'll, I'll just I'll just say the story for those of you that don't know it. Is uh, when I was in the Bible school, we had first years, and we we had them very close, staying together, boys and girls. And one of the things that you try to do at all costs is get the guys to focus on Jesus and not on all the distractions that is all there. All right. And so what we realize as soon as we make it open for people to still have relationships, even though. They look with one eye to Jesus and with the one eye here. So we go like, guys, for one year, you don't have, you're not allowed to have relationships. You keep your two eyes on Jesus and Jesus alone. No looking here, right? But people are people, right? People are people. They're like magnets, right? You can place it there. It just has a way to find itself to one another, right? And then after a while, our job was to try and keep these magnets away from one another, now, one of the things that we realize as charged those magnets by a thousand is if a good intended Bible school boy goes to a girl, very honest, and say, I need to be honest with you. I really like you. I know I shouldn't. And I'm, I'm saying sorry to Jesus, but I can't help it. I really like you. Therefore, I think it will be better for me not to see you anymore. 
The exact opposite happens. So we go, after a while, we said to the guys, this is a technique. If you want to stop charging those magnets by telling and being vulnerable before one another, it does the opposite. All right? So, so, it's exactly the same. You will find a person that it's got a superficial, nice relationship, right? You know, we are all initially starting in a relationship. We're superficial, we're nice. You know, we, we don't step. And then there comes that time, the conflict time. You know, in most relationships that has a future, it's going to come. You're going you're gonna to step there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come kaboom. Listen, I've been holding this up for quite a long time, but I need to tell you now. Guess what? If you can get out of that on the other side, you're much closer. The courtesy and the mask and all those junk is gone. And the real has come. And all relationships need to go there. Right? If we have this outward fake, nice, 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 nice. Come, come on, man. Can we just like move? Let's just be real here with one another. We're getting nowhere. Right? Now, this is the other thing. The person that you were the closest with and the person that you've been the most vulnerable with if that person hurts you, you find that, right? All of us have found this. All that you do is you stop being vulnerable. And then after a while you go like, I can't believe I'm not so close to the person anymore. It's just because you've stopped being vulnerable and open towards it, right? Here's the thing. I, uh, um, I once had a, a time with Jesus, and, and uh, um, there was a series of things that I really thought I'm quite a spiritual man. And I looked around, and I thought, there's really just no one is on fire as I am. And then uh, at some stage, God came. <laughs> God came to convict me. <laughs> I got a gift. Yeah. <laughs> I help her. <laughs> I need you. <laughs> and God showed me that I, uh, I actually love many other things more than him. Primary myself, right? <laughs> and I said to God in one moment, as all my prayers that ever at that time was, oh, you're glorious, oh, you're wonderful, oh, you're all that. I take my relationship with God to a next level and I say to God, God, I don't love you. I'm sorry. I realize I love myself more than you. Now, few things has brought my relationship closer to him than being real and vulnerable. Now, that's one way you going to have fellowship with God, we have to be in the light in the same way we need this, right? And unless there's going to be a people that do this, it's similar than I need you. Show it. Lastly, lastly, I actually have some verses. I've quoted some, but we're going to read some verses. You're going to like this. So Ephesians 4. 15 to 16. Rather, speaking, it, it speaks about the church, 
It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way, into Him who is the head, into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it equips, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds. Okay, yes, it's a, it's a kind of a complicated verse, all right? But this is what the verse basically says. It says the body is like this. The body has this nature that the body grows itself up. The body speaks the truth to one another, and in that way, the body raises itself up, matures itself up. And then it says, we have this head that comes and joins different ligaments together. And as he joins these joints and ligaments together, it supplies what each one needs. Right? And in that way, as, as the head joins these different parts, it raises itself up and grows each as, as these flows together what each one needs. Does, does, that, uh, does it make sense? Yes. It's an overwhelming... Uh, help me here. Didn't it make sense? It does. I, I can't just have you, Rudy. I mean, I've, I've thought... <laughs> Okay, so let, let, me, let, me, let me try and explain this. How does, how, does the church, how does the church work, actually? The church can, uh, um, can be for different ways in how the church works. Right now, in Stellenbosch, on a Sunday morning, the churches out here everywhere is like a mall food quarter. You'll have... Ten different banners all over town that says, come and eat with me. You've got the peri-peri, chicken, red banners and flavors. The blue ones is the best, if you were wondering. The blue ones, right? Those banners. And you can go there. And so you can go in each one and taste which food at this food quarters that Stellenbosch provides for you is the best today, right? And that's... But that's not really how Jesus works. Jesus, as we are relating with one another, doesn't just join us to a meeting <laughs> or just to a logo or even a church name. Jesus comes and he, as we are connected with him, joins us with different people. And he, as he joins us and he makes connection with different people, that I don't just join a logo. <laughs> I don't just join a, I don't know, a vision or whatever I might think, but I'm joined. Jesus joins me with different people. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing when Jesus joins you with people. And then as he joins me with this people, the needs that I need, the things that I need to grow up is supplied by these different joints that he does. And that's the way that the body grows up, is really there's really no other way, right? Now, you can, you can just go and visit your food quarters every Sunday and go pick and choose and so on, but you can never be joined. And unless you're joined, you know, the life is never going to flow in and through you. Was that a little bit more clearer? Thank you, Gerda. All right. So, One of the challenges that I, and, and I'll just mention this, one of the challenges that I found in the body um, is 
There is a resistance to be joined with people. And the resistance to be joined with people have all kinds of masks. And one of the masks that I found from my observation in Stellenbosch is that there is a, a very, I shouldn't make fun of it, but, I, but I, I was thinking like that for a long time, is there is an idea, I'm not joining anywhere because I believe in the unity of the whole body. Right? So if I'm joined, in some ways, I'm dividing and kicking myself off from the rest of the body. Now, of course, guys, I know whoever is in Christ, we are actually one big family, right? But I have found that in the name of unity, people just don't want to commit. People just don't want to be joined. And they hide behind unity as simply resisting being joined together. Now, I'll say this. The local church experience have to have, and this is, this is my three testers, if you have a true local church experience. The local church experience, which is God's way to grow us up, have to have these three experiences. I'm going to say it. You're going to love these words. Just be ready for it, okay? The local church experience needs to have these three things. Commitment. How's the heart going? Commitment. All right. Second thing, you're going to love this one. Submission. Yay. And thirdly, the local church needs to have belonging. And if you don't have belonging anywhere, then I have a problem because everybody in the body of Christ has this ability to be excommunicated. You must be placed. Can you be placed out? I almost asked, can I excommunicate you? Where do you belong? No, nowhere. So in the Bible, it's clear. People, people should be excommunicatable. <laughs> you can be placed nowhere out because you're in nowhere. You're absent from a Christian experience. Now, uh, um, one of the things about these joining together, which God supplies our needs. It's like, oh, I can't grow without yonder. I can't help it. God has joined me to this guy. I, what, what must I do now? It's a choice of Jesus. If I choose to just watch DVDs and podcasts over YouTube, I cannot grow as much as what I choose to be joined to this man and the people that God has joined me with. And the relationship that we have, real relationship, not just I observe him through YouTube. I have real relationship. We're trying to work this relationship out, and we struggle, and we fight. You know, where God joins, where's the other relationship in the Bible that God joins? <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> it's this relationship. It's my marriage relationship. God joins. When God joins a relationship together, it has this nature. It takes commitment and you can't get out of it. Shucks. <laughs> right? That's one of the things that we realize. God has joined us together. It was not always easy. Right? <laughs> but because we believe in the joining of God, we learn how to work out through many trials and tribulations, how to walk this out and find a unity. 
so that God can flow through us and God can do us. It was never an option, never an option to separate. It was never an option to be uncommitted to the thing. Let's just see it. If it works, if I like it, I'm in, but if I'm not, I'm off. I had to be fully committed to that which God has joined, fully. And in my joining with the body, I do exactly the same. I'm fully committed to that which Jesus has joined together. Uh, can I say, because I, mean, I, I know this is quite an outspoken topic sometimes. I'm joined to Andrew Selly. Not because he's the coolest guy in town. I don't even know if he's the most anointed guy. I don't even know if he's the best guy. I don't know if he's the greatest guy. I don't really care. I'm joined to him because Jesus joined me to him. And I'm faithful to that relationship, not because he showed up as the greatest and the best guy. I'm joined to him because Jesus joined me with him. And I will honor that relationship as long as Jesus has joined me with that. And so I'm in every other relationship. I'm in complete commitment to that relationship. Now, lastly, how do I know if a tree would grow? I can see where there's submission in a person. And I know what I'm saying now. It's not going to be love. What is submission? I have a mission. I have a mission. I have a mission that I want to accomplish in my life, what I dream about, and that what I want. And I go to church because the church can help me with my mission. The church can aid me to grow in my relationship with Jesus. The church can help me to take care of my kids and equip me and help me with it. The church can help me to get my giftings and my callings all around. But what if we say, and that's interesting because that's really the mission or the message that most churches give. You come here and we'll serve your mission. We're here to aid your mission. Shucks. We've got a different message. Our message is this, you bring your mission, and your mission will sup, will come under. You lay down your mission. And we lay down our missions for one another. We submit and bring our missions under for one another. And I've seen as the people are not willing to submit, that tree doesn't grow far. I'm just sorry, I'm, I'm just, I, I've seen that. They'll hold on to their mission, and they will look to the church to help this mission. But as soon as something comes to the place where their mission needs to come under, they're out. I've got a song for Stellenbosch. It's the anthem. It's my life. It's my life. And nothing and no one will touch my life. Now you can help my life if you want to, in Jesus' name. You can pray for my life, but you will not touch my life. In the kingdom of God, 
my mission comes under. Now, imagine that. Guys, come look, and I have a mission. This is, this is my desire. This is what I want. And that's how many people come, you know. This is what I want. This is what I desire. Can you as a church help me to come to that? And we're like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> that's not why we're here. Now, don't get me wrong. Please don't get me wrong. If you guys are part of the body of Christ and you are a foot, guess what? For our sake, we want that foot to be so healthy. <laughs> if that foot is hurt, it messes us all up because we are so committed and submitted to one another. One part suffers, all of us suffers. We want you to be whole. In fact, all that we're doing, so much of our praying, so much of our lives is to lay down our lives so that you can be whole and healed. I'm telling you, you can ask my wife, you can ask the elders. That would cause me sleepless nights is the, is, the, is the struggles and the pain and the hurt of the, of, the, of the church and the body. I'll give up my holiday for that. <laughs> to see that people come whole and heal. I, I, I live for that. Not only that, I can tell you as else, I live that every member finds its grace and its gifting. Oh man, I want that foot not to just... I want that foot to function with everything. I want you to function in your gifting and in your calling with everything that is in me. And all of us here, actually, it's not just an elder's thing. All of us here live, that's what we live for, for the health of one another. We live that everyone will function and that's what God has called them. We live for that. We are desperate. We are praying. We are crying out for God. We find every way that that can happen. Oh, man. But we have realized for this foot to function, it needs to be in subjection to the leg. Oh, that, that foot that's running on its own. It gets no supplements by itself and it never functions because foot was never made to function on itself. A foot needs to learn that he needs to lay down his mission and submit himself to the mission of the body. And only then, and only then, he will find his meaning in his place. Only then. And so, uh, um, I know it's a word that I know has been thrown around in the body of Christ and has abused and controlled a lot of people. But just because there was wrong use don't mean we have to have no use. We have to find the right use of submission. And if we want to have trees that's going to grow here, it's my life needs to die. And the people that's willing to submit. Oof. I know if I say that word, it falls a little bit heavy, eh? Submit. There must be submission one to another, together unto him who is the head. Now I'll say this, John exposes a big lie, a big lie. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ in the days of John that says, I love Jesus. Listen, I really love Jesus. I just don't love the body. And John goes like, look, it's impossible. Can I just say you lie? Let's just make it very very clear. You lie. How can you say you love God that you can't see, but you can't love your brother and your sister that you can see? If you can't love the people, you're not loving God. Boom. Can I throw another one in? 
Don't tell me I only submit to God, but you can't submit to people. How can you not submit to people that God put in place and you can see but you claim to submit to God? You know, Moses, poor Moses, the stutterer, everybody knows him. He was a little bit of a loser, but God called him to lead the people. And then Moses goes around and he's like, listen, guys, God is saying we need to do this. And at some stage, Aaron and Miriam goes like, do you think you're the only one that can hear God? We can hear God as well. Ooh, that's such a rebellious sound right there. And I hear it in the body all the time. Who does he think he is? Does he think he's the only one that can hear God? I can hear God as well. <laughs> I know you can hear God. But in some settings, God will speak for a man and he will not speak for you. And so then Aaron and Miriam says to Moses, who are you? You think you're the only one that can hear God? And God goes, Moses, just step aside. Aaron, Miriam, leprosy for you guys. Boom. Out. I speak to Moses. You listen to him. Sometimes I wish God would still work like that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My wife says, then you will be dead. <laughs> so, the trees that's going to grow is not going to have this thing around them. It's my life. They're going to be those that says, I let go of my life. I don't hold on on my mission. In fact, I bring my mission under. I bring the fact that I'm a foot not as an individual thing. And hey, the rest of the body is only there to see the foot shine. No, 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 no. The foot subjects himself completely to the mission of the body. And in that sense, the body, the foot finds its place. It's a hard thing. And it speaks so contrary to the spirit of this world. In fact, I think it's something that the large part of the church has been to completely. And they keep people by simply saying, we're here to serve your mission. But there's not a wholesome functioning of the body where there's laying down of mission. Laying down of life. It's not my life. It's not my life and I need you. That's the point, okay? Let's pray quickly. Jesus, I, you're the tiller of the soil. <laughs> you're the tiller of the soil. And Jesus, I pray that even today as your word goes, it wasn't so much a sowing of a seed today. It was more a plow. <laughs> it was more plow, plow that tilled the ground. And where the ground was hard in certain places, the plow just came and loosened some of those things. And Father, I pray where there's certain mindsets that crept in us, that settled and say, I'm not going to change. Where there's certain mindsets in us, Lord Jesus, that says, I am fine. Lord, I pray that you will break it. Father, where there's certain mindsets in us that says, I'm no longer going to open myself up. I pray that you will break it, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray where there's certain mindsets that has slowly allowed this thing to creep into our hearts. It's my life. I pray that you will till that ground open today again, Jesus. 
Make that soil soft. Make that soil plowable, Jesus. So, Jesus, your word can flourish in this midst. Father, that your words will produce 30, 60, 100-fold in this midst and grow. We praise you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus, and have your way amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen.